0: Hey, Noah. Hey, Noah. It's going to take you years. People will think you're crazy. You'll be completely misunderstood. I need you to build a rather large boat for me. <laughs> hey, Mary. Nobody's going to understand this. And... uh they're gonna think shame. Hey Joseph, I'm talking to you in a dream here, like I need you to carry the weight of raising the Messiah. I want you to call him Jesus. <sighs> hey Jeremiah, like I got this word, I need you to, I need you to speak it, it's, it's not nice, it's hard. I need you to say a hard word to a hard people. It'll be your whole life. Nobody will listen to you. Hey, Paul, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Andrew. Preach the gospel. You will be beaten. You will be imprisoned. You will give your life. Hey, Peter. Come on out of that boat. Walk on water. God's kingdom call, pretty ordinary people, into like the extraordinary mission of God. All of which have in common these two words, faith and trust. You got to be loco to do this stuff. Faith and trust. Trust. God's call on every one of their lives, yet faith and trust. That's what I'm asking of you. And and I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, maybe one day I'll get to ask God about this, but I'm like, God, you seem to do this on purpose. Like, why? Isn't there an easier way that you would call us to pour out our lives? Because this is just so uncomfortable. And God goes, yes, it is. I don't like the I don't like the discomfort. I know, yep, that's what I'm calling, faith and trust. And my best guess is what he's calling to us to, if we could do it without him, if I could just figure it out by myself, like my smarts, my strengths, my resources, my connections, if, I, if you could just figure it out, God's like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that project. I'm actually only interested in the ones where you are in completely over your head, uncomfortably in over your head, where you are pressed into this position where you're like, God, without you, I'm, I'm done. Forget this. This has not happened. This, and we're talking more than egg on your face. We're like, this is not gonna work. So I, I gotta depend on you. And God goes, yeah, that, that's where I want you. But I don't like depending on you. Yeah, I know you don't like depending on me. I know you'd rather figure it all out by yourself and be self-dependent. The gospel will put you on the edge of the impossible. And this isn't just me. I mean, every person listening listening to me, the gospel will put you on the edge of the impossible. You're like, this is impossible. I don't know. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. And And then Jesus says, now, invade. But it's impossible. Yeah, invade. That's where the gospel will put you. You don't have an option about choosing whether or not you want to even be good at it. Like the calling is there. Heal, deliver, preach the good news, salvation. You can even stink at it your whole life. You can be terrible. You can be the worst person at it, but you don't get to change the assignment. This is what God calls you to do. In the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you are unclean and you couldn't go near God. Couldn't go to church, couldn't go to synagogue, couldn't go to temple, you had to go through this process, this laborious process of cleansing yourself. In the New Testament, Jesus walks up and he deliberately touches a leper and he cleans the leper and then he says to you, now you do the same thing, invade. Invade, it's the nature of the gospel. And if you go through your whole life and you never hear or you never heed God's uncomfortable call to this in over your head reality of mission and vision. I'm telling you right now, you're missing out. We either believe that God is real or not. We either believe that He is active, that His Holy Spirit is working in the lives of men, women, and children, that He's active in our lives and in His place, or we believe that God is tired or exhausted or dead. I don't know what's in the middle. He's either, he's either active and alive substantially or he's just dead and a figment of our imagination. God calls you to mission and vision. He says, don't get me wrong, it's, <laughs> it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to require and demand faith and trust of you and sacrifice and commitment and transformation and a sense of uh, vision and mission. It would be easier to watch Netflix. It would be easier to play on your phone. It would be easier to not go to the place of, oh, what am I doing? How did I get here? This is uncomfortable. I don't know if this is going to work out. Why does God have me doing this with these people in this place? Why am I engaged in this project? Why am I helping those people? Why am I speaking these words? It would be so much easier to not do that. But I'm telling you right now, you will never ever look back over your shoulder and look at your life as you lived by faith and regret that. You will never. Look Look back on your, on your past and say, remember that season where I just, I just trusted and then I acted in obedience on that trust? You'll never look back and say, well, I'm sorry that I did that and I did Netflix instead. A community church, we're not content with the Sunday morning thing. And I love the Sunday morning thing. This is great. And if, I'm delighted that you're here. Potlucks and Bible studies. And I love me a good Potluck it's not enough, it's not enough, there has to be more, because we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the single most relevant, the single most important, the single most life-altering message on planet earth, amen, Amen. like that's it, like I don't care who you know, what they're doing and what they're spinning, it's not as important as what we're talking about here, doesn't compare, and it's real, it's people's lives, it's men and women and children and marriages and single people and hopes and pain and difficulties and sickness and cancer and children going down the wrong road and you're, you're ready to pull your hair out and you don't know what to do and it's bills. It's all of those things. And we believe that we have the greatest answer to all of that and it is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And therefore, as a church, we will, priest, we will preach Christ and him crucified. I've said it before. I'll say it again, we are the only organization in the world that exists for those who are not yet a part of us. Welcome to this three-week series, which is all about mission and vision. I will be casting vision, I pray that you will be catching vision, I pray that it will seize you. Exactly one year ago, we laid out a kingdom of God initiative, a kingdom of God plan of action, because we don't believe that God is lethargic or sleepy or dead. We believe he's active in central Michigan. The kind of stuff, sorry, that demands faith and trust. It just does. And God's like, yep, got you right where I want you. Uncomfortable? Yes, we are. Perfect. One year in, what was an idea that we talked about is now being realized. It is now happening, and we give God thanks for that, for his goodness, but I want to compliment and say to this church, I'm so proud of you, because what is taking place is, is as a result of the work of God in your life and the fruit of your discipleship and your generosity. Thank you for following Jesus the way that you do. There's a parable in the New Testament called the parable of the unmerciful servant. I was looking at it and I'm like, man, what's happening at community church is the opposite of what's happening in the parable of the unmerciful servant. This guy, he owes someone a bit of money. Actually, that's not even accurate. He owes somebody a chunk of money, a ton of it. And in the story that Jesus tells, the fellow who owes all this money, dude comes up to him, and he says, hey, you know all that money you owe me? Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I don't, I don't need the money back. I'm okay. And he can't believe his ears. Yeah, I don't want a single penny. And he leaves, and the guy's doing a little dance. He's just like, man, freebie. I got off scot-free. I can't believe this. Like the weight of that. Unbelievable. Jesus continues with the story. This guy who got off scot-free, somebody owes him money. But guess what? It's, it's like, it's minuscule. It's pennies. It's a, it's a few dollars. It's meaningless. And we see this person who just got off scot-free, this massive debt. He then starts to lean hard on this guy who owes him pennies. And he's relentless and he's ruthless. And he just sort of, you know, he just shreds this guy like, you give me that money right now. And I looked at that, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I think that's the opposite of community church. I think there is a recognition in our hearts that he has been so generous to us that like he paid this price for my life and for your life. And that man, I I can just, I just can never repay it. There's nothing I can do to pay back what he's done for me. And so what have I got to do with that? Like I got to turn around and I, I have to just pour out my life knowing that it's not even going to touch the quantity The scale of what he's done for me. Church, like we're just not going to become unmerciful servants, are we? And the word that comes to mind is gratitude. Like I want to be that guy. I want to be a guy who looks at things and go, oh God, I want to thank you for that. I want to recognize your goodness. Thank you for that in my life. And we're going to do a little bit of that today. We're going to look at the things that God is doing. And I hope in us there is this this spiritual response of gratitude and thanksgiving. This initiative that we're in is simply called Elevate. It's a two-year window season where we believe God has called us to serve Him in some really specific ways. Why have we used this word? It's just a nickname that describes the season that we're in right now. We recognize that God has pulled us out of a pit of sin and shame. I mean, that's what the book of Psalms talks about. Like, my life, your life. Like, imagine like a slimy, disgusting, deep pit and you are covered, soiled in this stuff and you cannot get yourself out. And it's this unthinkable idea that a holy God would come and roll up his sleeves and stoop, that he would stoop towards us and he bends over and he picks us up out of the mud and the mire. The only rational, reasonable response to that as we have been lifted up is that we would say, well, we will now elevate the name of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for what you've done in our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 29 Bit of a big moment. All of you are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, your magistrates, and all the men of Israel, along with your children, your wives, to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God and into the oath that he is about to make with you today. So big, big deal. Why? Why the big you know, covenant going on here? So that he will elevate you to be a people for him. And he will be God to you, just as he promised you. And if you you look there for about 10 seconds, you'll see and begin to detect, I mean, the emotion of God, the heart of God, the desire, the want of God. Like, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people, that I'm gonna set things in place so that that's how we can be with each other. Elevate has three legs to it. Firstly, we wanna elevate the gospel, amen? That's the message. Secondly, We want to expand our reach in Central Michigan. More men, women, and children, more families, more single people, young and old. And thirdly, we want to empower the next generation. These are the kiddos and students, uh, middle school, high school, college students. And so what I want to do right now is I want to give, for some of you, this is going to be a refresher from a year ago. We've been telling little stories throughout the year. But about a year ago, in fact exactly a year ago, we stood here and we, we kind of cast vision and gave a picture of like what we believe that God has called us to do. And then I also recognize that there are some people listening to me today in all of our campuses, this is not a refresher. You're going to be hearing this for the very first time. Uh, our St. John's campus, we love our St. John's campus. I was there three weeks ago, got a chance to lead worship and hang out with everybody. Like our St. John's campus didn't exist a year ago when we were casting this vision. And so we want to, we want to share that with everyone there. And then we also recognize we've had a ton of new people in our Alma campus and a ton of new people online and in Mount Pleasant uh, who, who are going to be hearing this for the very first time as well. If you are in any way, shape, or form a part of this family, if you are here for the first week, here's my heart for you. I want to invite 100% of this church to come and be a part of Elevate. I want to include and to extend an invitation to say, come and get into the thick of what God is doing in this place at this time. So Elevate is a two-year initiative. So let's check this out. I'm going to give you the halftime score right now. So how are we doing? Well, 12 months ago, we set out together to embrace a fresh and renewed sense of focus and commitment to elevating the gospel in our unique communities and also this heart for the next generation you have stepped out boldly in faith, knowing that there's no way we could accomplish this kind of a goal all by ourselves, that we would definitely need the help of our Father. And it would also incorporate 100% of our church, not just a part of our church, your prayers, your commitment, your generosity, your serving, and your heart. We fittingly named this initiative Elevate because we want to take our eyes off the stuff that we're always looking at, the stuff of this world. And instead we want to fix our gaze upwards on the things that have eternal value and everlasting consequence and meaning. So we're going to elevate the name of Jesus Christ because we know that when we do that, when we lift him up, he's going to draw all men unto himself. So we are halfway through our Elevate two year window How are we doing? Let's check out the halftime score.
1: Over the last year, we have been fully committed to the vision of Elevate, with some goals completely finished, some being started, and some that are yet to come. We've upgraded and renovated our St. John's campus and are getting ready to celebrate our one year anniversary next month in December. The renovations to the permanent home of the Alma campus are nearing their completion. We'll be announcing our grand opening date very soon. We adopted schools in our local communities to help them in their stated area of need, helping qualify more substitute teachers to ease their burden through a project called Sub-In. We began our partnership with World Vision, seeing hundreds of community church families make commitments to help impoverished children and families in quito Sur, Ecuador. We established a relationship with Footprint's mission in Sierra Leone, Africa, and are partnering with their ministry to orphans, thus increasing their capacity to sponsor more children.
2: We're also in the midst of many aspects of the Elevate initiative that are already in process and ongoing. In fact, we're standing here in the new Alma building that is nearing completion. We have championed and supported all programming, staffing, and ministry that target adults, in all campuses for the past year, along with this upcoming year while emphasizing our vision to lead people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. We are continuing the expansion of missions ministry, celebrate recovery, weekly gatherings, weekly Sunday services, and online broadcasts through streaming and on-demand viewing. We have introduced a concerted and proactive discipleship initiative that equips and releases 200 new disciple makers here in Central Michigan. We have fully funded the first two years of ministry for the new St. John's campus. We are continuing to support local community needs in Clinton, Gratiot, and Isabella counties. And finally, we are continuing the funding of staffing and amazing ministry focused on kids, students, and young adults that happens at all of our campuses. We
1: never want to rest on simply good enough. We wanna keep elevating the gospel, pushing ourselves, to remember there are still things that need to be done. We will be taking the gospel to unreached people groups in mid-Russia through one of our global partnerships. We will be updating portions of the Mount Pleasant campus to maximize attraction and use for children and youth of all ages. We will provide a tangible support system for those in our communities who are pursuing the adoption and or fostering process. We will continue to have our eyes open to see what else God may have us to do so that we can address it in an appropriate way.
0: This is our vision. We believe that God has uniquely positioned our church in our unique communities at this unique point in history to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, to lead people that you know and love and live and work with and and are part of your friends and your family into a focused life with Jesus Christ. Community Church, you are God's chosen instrument to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have seen him do incredible things in the last 12 months, and I believe that he is just getting started. So this is your invitation to come and be a part of this vision called Elevate. All right, church, come on, let's give God praise for that, huh? Thank you, Lord. Okay, big, big announcement. Big, big deal. This, is, this really is a big deal. I got to, uh, I was in uh, our Alma campus last week, got to share this with the Alma campus, but I want St. John's and everyone online in Mount Pleasant to know uh, we are moving into our new building in Alma Christmas Eve of this year. Praise God. Now, I say that with a bit of 99% because construction is construction, so be praying, but it's all, it's all looking really good. Now, I also want to point out, these are your Elevate guidebooks for all three weeks. You grab those right now and open up to page number 21, and that's where you can take notes today. Each week, there'll be a section for notes. All the questions are in there for uh, community groups. And uh, here's I want you to hang on to these write your name in them on the first page because they all are identical and someone could steal yours And when you get home like stick them on the kitchen table and leave them there all week So when you're having your Wheaties in the morning You can just kind of leaf through and have a look at it and uh, get really familiar with all this And we will come back to this in just a minute as well All right, um, uh, it guys the amazing things that are going on right now amazing and then I have to just mention Sierra Leone because uh, last year, we had a team of people who went out there with Footprints Ministry, and they're just doing an incredible job with orphans. Unbelievable job. And we actually have a team who are there right now. Pastor Aaron, he put up on a social media photograph of well, a, one year ago, a little kid that they met. And it reminded me of the famine in Ethiopia in 1986 because there was a global fundraiser. You, look at this kid. Look at that. That is, that is skin and bone. And I want you to know what you're doing. Take take a look at this picture. Aaron is there right now. And this picture was taken two days ago. That's the same kid. And I don't mean that in a manipulative way, because that's real. Like that's Aaron from our Alma campus, and he's in Sierra Leone right now with those kids. And that is what, that's the fruit of your discipleship and your generosity. So thank you for making a difference. It's absolutely massive. So praise God. Over the next three weeks, here's what I want to do. I want to show you one individual from the Bible, a different person every single week, and how God placed them on the planet Earth and put them in a position where faith and trust was, was required of them. So community church, let me introduce you to a gentleman by the name of Abraham. And I want, you to, show, I want to show you how God just flung him into an in-over-your-head situation where faith and trust. Uh, Uh, trust were demanded of him. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 says this, and every single verse I read to you about Abraham starts the same. By faith, you're going to see this again and again, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, check this out, even though he didn't know where he was going. Now there's the beginning of discomfort. So imagine someone knocked on your door. Hey, Leave everything you know and everything that familiar, is familiar to and, and come with me on a journey. I know the first question you're going to ask. Where are we going? Yeah, I'm not telling you. So if you go with that person, that's called cray-cray in the Bible. Don't be doing that. But when it's God who's knocking on the door, um, you might want to pay attention to that. That is going to demand faith and trust. That is in over your head. Now, I don't think for a second that I have the same kind of faith that Abraham has. But I, at the age of 21, believed that God called me to leave my home country and called me to come to Michigan. And I remember uh, walking past security at the Dublin airport and looking back at my family with a lump in my throat going, what am I doing? And I came to America and I didn't know anybody. I didn't know a single person here. And I remember being so unfamiliar with Michigan and this was pre-internet, that I went to the library and I got an atlas and I looked up in the maps to find where on earth is Michigan. And I had never heard anyone say out loud, Michigan. And so I found it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's where I'm going, okay, and I looked at it, I was like, Michigan. I'm going to Michigan, everybody. And I told all my Irish friends and family, I'm going to Michigan. And they were like, have a nice time in Michigan because no one had ever heard of it. So for the remainder of this sermon, I will refer to Michigan as Michigan. (laughs) I guarantee you there are people listening to me right now and you know, and you can remember full well, occasions in your life, seasons in your life where God called you into what was incredibly uncomfortable, what demanded faith and trust from you. God was calling you to obedience And it was foreign and difficult and unknown and uncomfortable. And it was in over your head. And I think that's great. When's the last time? When's the last time that you heard the voice of God and you heeded the voice of God into a place where you're like, I don't have all this figured out. And what this is requiring of me is more than I've got. Verse 9. Look at the same words again. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents. A few years go by, and God calls he and his wife, Sarah, to have a child. And then a few more years pass by. And then a few more years pass by. And they're not like past the age of having children. They're way past the age of having children. Verse 11, and by faith, Even Sarah, that's his wife, who was past childbearing age, I think she was around 90, to show you how crazy this is, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Now look at that trust. Does it make any sense? Not really. Is it comfortable? Not at all. I'm way too old to be pregnant, but I'm going to hold on to the words of the one who promised me that I would have a child. My faith is not in faith. My faith is in the one who. Who who made this promise to me? And they finally have this child. And this child is promised to be the beginning of a nation, the lineage of the Messiah. This birth is not only miraculous, but we see God's sovereign hand, his providence is all over the life of this child. And more years go by, and then this kid is not a little kid anymore, grows up to be a young man, maybe a teenager. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham When God tested him, oh, you know this is going to get uncomfortable. He offered, and this is the boy's name, Isaac, as a sacrifice. Now stop here. Hang on a second. What's the test, God? Yeah, I want you to kill your son. (laughs) Come again? Yeah, that that doesn't make any sense at all. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. What does the phrase one and only son remind you of? Absolute mirroring of the Father and, and Jesus Christ, the Son. To sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. So now they have this promised son and he grows up. And God tells Abraham something to do that is completely out of character for God. Kill a child. God would never say that. God wouldn't do that. There's a God in the Old Testament with a little g called Molech. And you would sacrifice little children to the God of Molech. The God of heaven and earth would never ask that of you. It's absurd. It's immoral. How could you say such a thing to me, God? He is testing Abraham. Do you trust me? Do you have faith in me? And there's no doubt about it. It's extreme stuff. It's beyond uncomfortable. It's this life-changing moment of faith and trust. And very dramatically in the story, and it is a dramatic story, he lifts a knife to kill his own boy. And in that moment, God prevents him from killing Isaac. And the scriptures tell us that even the God of heaven and earth was moved by this man's faith. What was Abraham thinking when he lifted a knife to kill his son? The Bible tells us, verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So God, you promised me this child. You promised me this would be the beginning of a nation. This is Israel. You gave to me this son, even though my wife Sarah was way, way beyond childbearing years. You're asking me to kill him. So if I kill him, God, I just trust and believe that you are so powerful, that you're so true to your word, you're so faithful that you will probably bring him back from the dead. I think you're going to bring him back from the dead. Can I make this statement, Community Church? Our God can do anything. Amen. Anything at all. Now, I noticed some amens on that, and I get it. Big statement. Spiritual bravado. Amen. Amen. God can do anything. Let's put that to the test. Can he? In the gospels, the disciples meet this dad and he is desperate because of his little boy. The boy, it says, is tormented by a demon. My goodness. Self-destructive behavior, convulsions, and Jesus isn't there. And so the dad says, okay, I wanted Jesus. Jesus isn't here. I'll go to the next best thing, I'll ask his followers, his disciples. Can you please help? And so they are like, wow, this is a problem. This kid is out of control. And so they come and they say the same words that they heard Jesus say. And they say the prayer. And guess what happens? Nothing. The kid is no better off. And they're embarrassed because this isn't in some quiet corner. This is in public. And they don't know what to do. And everybody's looking at them And they're like, I thought you guys were followers of Jesus. Why doesn't this work? When Jesus does it, it works. Why can't you guys do it? And they actually start fighting with each other. The disciples are arguing with each other. And that's the hot mess that Jesus walks into when he says in Mark chapter 9, what are you arguing with them about? What on, this this is dad, right? What are you guys fighting about? What is going on here? The disciples are standing there feeling like schmucks, hands in pocket, head down, don't make eye contact with Jesus, kick in the sand. They didn't do it, they lacked spiritual power. They failed someone like legitimate need right here. And, they, and all of that happened in front of everybody. And you might think Jesus will say, all right, everybody, calm down. It's okay, I'm here. I'll take care of things. Disciples, just watch and learn. Anything but that. Jesus comes out really harsh. Verse 19, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long am I gonna stay with you? How long am I gonna put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Ouch, in front of everybody. I think Jesus is talking to the disciples and I think he's talking about faith and trust. I got to take that on the chin, and so do you right now. Do you have faith and trust in this statement? Our God can do anything. Verse 20, so they brought him in. and When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground. He rolled around. He's foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. "It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. And then the Father says this, and please pay close close attention to this, verse 22. He says, but if, but if, if you could do anything, would you take pity on us and help us? Now, here is a word that I think tells a whole lot about you and I. It's a tiny word. I think it speaks a whole lot about you and I, in fact, our entire church. And it is the word if. If like Jesus if you're able to do this if you're willing to do this if you can do anything if you really can we're testing this this phrase this truth like we're desperate help us Jesus you don't understand this is my boy do you know how many people I've gone to do you know how many years this is from childhood I've done everything, I've gone to every expert, I've paid money, I've gone to the doctors, I've gone to the therapy, I've done the counseling, I've gone to the pros, I've gone to anyone who says, they're a holy person, they've got some spiritual power, I'll go to anyone, anywhere, I've done it all, and I've gotten my hopes dashed so many times, and I don't know what, because nobody's able to help them, and any time a new rabbi would come into town, man, I'd be right there on their doorstep, and I tried, I went to the disciples, but they didn't have the spiritual power, and it turned into a little bit of a circus, It's always nothing. It's always nothing for me. And then I heard about you, and I got my hopes up. Do you know how much it hurts to get your hopes up? If you can do anything. And Jesus picks up on that word, if, and says an amazing statement, verse 23. He says, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. In a way, it's almost like Jesus is coming back with an if of his own. The man says, Help me if it's possible. And Jesus says, All things are possible if you will believe. There's power in faith and trust. This physical reality is affected by a spiritual reality. Church, Elevate is not about, you know, oh, look at Community Church. Aren't we wonderful? or how clever that we think we are. It's not about buildings, it's certainly not about money. It's not even about what's the difference that we can make so other people can look at us and say we have a good reputation. This is the one year mark of this initiative and I'm calling the church to faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's what this is about. Faith and trust for your life, faith and trust for your child, faith and trust for your work, for your bills, for your health. For your marriage. Jesus, I'm inviting you into places that feel really in over my head. I want to go there with you. And it's not even that we say, you know, well, we believe, so we're good. We believe. Look at this man's response it is gold. Verse 24 immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. I really do. But this is the bit that I love. He says, would you help me overcome my unbelief? So he doesn't give Jesus the pat answer. He doesn't fake it. He doesn't say the thing he thinks Jesus wants him to say so that he can get Jesus to do the thing that he needs Jesus to do. He's honest. He says, I do believe, I believe. But I'm also riddled with doubt. I also have reservations. Do you know what I mean when I say there are times in our lives where we hope but we also fear? Does that make sense, church? Do you know what it means to say, I'm praying, but I'm still worried. And I, know I wish I weren't worried, but I, that's the truth. Like, I trust you, God, but I'm a bit anxious about it still. I do believe, but God, would you help me with my own belief? Because I seem to have plenty of that too. And I get that prayer. I think you do as well. That's a doubter's prayer. God, I have my own ifs. I have to be honest about them, and I want to give those to you. And what I love in this passage is what you never hear Jesus say. He doesn't look at this dad and go, well, I can't believe that you would doubt me. It's kind of rude. Who do you think you are in front of everybody to think that I couldn't? Like, come on. I'm glad he doesn't say that, and I'm glad he doesn't walk away. He speaks to the man's son, and the son is healed. And if I were to be totally honest with you, elevating all that we're doing here, it has made me incredibly uncomfortable. And I wish I could say, oh, God can do anything. And never affected me. I've lost a few nights sleep. <laughs> I've prayed some prayers. Oh, dear Lord, help. God, I don't know. Can we do this? And we prayed, you know, and we asked God to point us in a direction. And then we, we talked to the elders, and then we prayed some more. We talked to the pastors. We prayed some more. We talked to the staff. In fact, I actually had multiple conversations with many people in all of our, all of our campuses. And then we prayed some more. And we just trust that we've heard from the Lord. And we put this plan together, and it makes me all terribly uncomfortable. And I would love to invite you <laughs> into that discomfort. Come along. It's, you'll love it. But I'm convinced that it's a place where God would have us because as a church... We're accomplishing things that are bigger than just what we think we can do without him. Elevate is a humongous faith and trust project. Confessions, there are days where I've gone to work and I would think, we could just not do this. We could just do the potlucks. Potlucks are great. We all love potlucks, right? We get to eat some yummy food. It'll be easier. Wouldn't have to pray as much. Wouldn't have to depend as much. We could just relax a bit there are days that I have my doubts and I bet you you do as well. I'm not sure that we can do this. And then I think, no, God can do anything. God can do anything. God is, mo- he's not feeble. He's not asleep. He's not dead. He's active and he's alive and he's doing stuff in central Michigan. Excuse me, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> do we have reservations in our life? Of course we do. I think that's common for every one of us. But would you catch a vision for Central Michigan and what God can do in this place? What God can do through pretty ordinary, regular, flawed people like you and I, with our doubts and our reservations and our unbelief and our trust and our faith and our belief that God can do great things. And God says to Abraham, go to a place, I'm not telling you where you go. And our automatic reaction is say, God, I'm happy to do that. Can I please have a map? And God goes, no, you can't. Well, can I have a compass, please? No, you can't. Well, could I just have one of those fancy GPSs, please? And then I'll know to turn right and left and go up there. And God goes, no, you can't. But I want the map. I want to be in control of where I'm going. I know you do, but I'm here to make you in over your head, uncomfortable, faith and trust rely on me. I want to be your guide. And in order for me to be your guide, you're going to have to listen to me. You're going to have to relinquish control. And that's what we don't like. In this moment, I want to invite 100% of this church. You might be coming here for years, and you might be core. You might pop your head in here every now and again. You might be here for the very first time. And I want to invite you, 100% of this church, to come and be a part of Elevate. Here's the two problems. You listen to all this and say, oh, you know, I'm glad we're doing that. That's really good, it's pretty noble, helpful stuff. Saw that picture of that kid, great. Here's the problem number one. Someone else will do it. Here's problem number two. In central Michigan, community church is a big church. They got us. They got us. They got it figured out. They'll do it. And I would say, God is calling every man, every woman, every child get into the thick of what God is doing, to get off the bench and to get in the game, to roll up your sleeves, to elevate the gospel, to expand our reach in Central Michigan, to empower the next generation. I don't want to do this without you. I don't think we should. We can't do this without you. We cannot do this without God. Amen? This is your personal invitation to faith and trust. I'm gonna leave you with four things today I want you to do. Number one, would you thank God for his activity in Central Michigan? I want us to never become that ungrateful steward. And just think about, look at what we're doing. Like new campuses, the gospel going out further. Like helping families who are fostering and adop- adopting kiddos. Orphans in Sierra Leone. Like that, there would be like this thing inside of you that would say, God, I see what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. that we would become a grateful people. Number two is this little book here. I really do mean it. Would you scribble your name on this? Would you keep it? Would you bring it back to church all three weeks? Uh, Scribble notes in here. Write down what you think God is saying to you. What's your part in this? Uh, Leave it on the kitchen table. Leaf through every page. Read it. Remind yourself about it. Start having conversations with your family and put this in front of you. Number three is uh, a commitment card. Would you open up to page 21? We're not going to fill these out today. Oh my goodness, I need my glasses. All right, I'm going to play the trombone with this one. Page t- page 21 here is a commitment card. Would you take a look at this throughout the week? Uh, we're not filling this out. We'll do this at the end of the series, and, and week three. And uh, just begin to ask God, Lord, what part would you have me play in all of this? And then lastly, would you bring this to God? The whole thing. Um... And what I mean by that is, would you take it seriously and not leave today and go, okay, just on to the next thing, never mind. But allow it to remain in you and give it some thought and give it some prayer. Give it consideration. Today, would you make a commitment to making a commitment? God, I want to be a part of this. I don't even know what that necessarily looks like, but Lord, I want to commit myself to what you're doing. Whether this is familiar to you from a year ago or whether you're hearing this for the very first time, it is God's calling, a sense of mission and vision and values for us as a church praise God, I, I just, I don't believe that we're a dead church. I don't believe that we're an aimless wandering church, not really knowing where we're going, just doing a bunch of potlucks. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that. And that God would say, look, together on purpose, God's calling us to this. Would you bend over backwards to be here for the next three weeks? Don't miss a week. For those ungodly people who are going to be up a tree, killing Bambi in the next few weeks, if you miss church, no, I'm just joking. So if you're gonna be up a tree, uh, here's what I would say, would you, would you watch online? And if you do, God will bless you with a book. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> come and be a part of it. Don't miss a week. Get in on all of that God is doing. Most of all, I mean, I know I've said this, but would, would you please hear me? It's an invitation to 100% of this church, to every single one of us, to come and be a part of what God is doing in this place, to roll up your sleeves and to get in the game, to make a commitment, to making a commitment. Let's pray. So God, in this moment, we want to say with our lips that we trust you and that we have faith in you. And the reason why we say that is because we have seen you and our experience is that you have been trustworthy to us and you've always been faithful to us. And so we want to be thankful. So thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you would call people like us to your mission at all. That you would use normal, even broken people to do great things in your name. We commit to following you as our guide. And Lord, we are honest and we give to you our doubts and our distractions and our worries and our reservations and our questions. Thank you for leading us into discomfort because it causes us to rely on you as our dad. And so Lord, we commit this series to you. We commit Elevate to you. We thank you for the mission and vision of this church in Central Michigan. We cannot wait to see how you're going to move and all that you're going to do. And I pray, God, that you would speak to every single person in this church so that we would respond with obedience and serve you with all of our lives. All of it, God. I mean all of it. All of the serving and the generosity and the giving and the money and the heart and the prayer and the projects. Every campus, Lord, all of it, Lord, we give it back to you. Father, we say this day, it is all for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Love you, church. Have a great week.